Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usedbookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everyone? Welcome into episode seven. I don't need Johnny B yet, but we're well on our way there. Now, now it looks like episode 14. Um, way to go. Today's topic, quarter four, you know, it's it's upon us here. It's a little bit different for media sellers and, you know, people that have other business models, but we're going to touch on some topics related to everything selling in quarter four. And I'm going to start out with the big one that affects me most is Amazon's restock limits as a media seller. I cannot send in another single item to sell on Amazon, whether that's a book, CD, DVD, anything that can be sold on Amazon. I can't send it in to sell through Amazon FBA. So my business has changed to Merchant Fulfilled and we'll get a little bit into that later. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's still the same for Johnny B. I'm not sure where you're at with limits. Do you, you think you're going to be able to send anything in by the end of quarter four? Only if I recall what's already there. It's the only way. So so, so you're in the same boat, right? So we have yeah. a little bit of a different perspective where uh, we are primarily selling on Amazon through FBA. We both do have eBay stores, um, but we are primarily selling through F Amazon FBA, which you send it to them. They handle everything. So our business models basically have changed, you know, completely. We, was, we were going north and now we're going south which necessarily isn't a bad thing, right? You got to adapt or that's the end of the line. But quarter four is a time where, you know, reselling mania occurs, right? Everybody's making all this money. There's all these different bolo items out there. There's always a few every year, you know, like I'm sure you're going to be running around to all your targets to find the hottest squish mallow to, to sell on Amazon, right? I, I've, uh, I've been there before. I've chased some of the more popular things to try to sell them. Uh, those the gujitsu figures that people like to sell some of those are really rare um do you have you done any of that in the past like have you chased any like hot you know items that were like flipping for a lot of money like that you could just go into any store and maybe you get lucky and you find it not for reselling but just um like well i guess a little bit for reselling because i dabbled in ebay before i took it seriously i did that with uh some toys um trying to go into Toys R Us when they were a thing, um, or Zany Brainy, or those kind of type of toy stores. Try to get the Christmas seasonal thing, like Furbies, right? You flip Furbies or Beanie Babies back when Beanie Babies were a thing. Um, but outside of that, just for chuckles to see if I could do it and not in the as a reseller, uh, more of as a hobbyist. Um, that's about it. I, I, I have yet to do that. And now that I'm in reselling, I don't think I would do that. Because it's not my business, even though, yes, I could. Here's the thing. You can make money in anything reselling, right? But my focus is in media, and I need to stay in media. Because if I get, there's a term other groups like to use, and just people in general, squirrel brain, going after the next shiny object. I lose focus on my business, and all my focus needs to be on my business I'm currently running. Any distraction from that is just a disservice to myself my one employee, part-time employee, and my business as a whole. So I refuse to do it for those reasons. What's, what's your nearest retailer, like large box, like big box retail store? Walmart. How far away, you think? 
uh, 20 minutes. All right. So we're going to put them to the test right here, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So there's a new Furby out this year, right? It's the uh, it's the Jaws Furby, right? It's it's the Shark Furby, right? These things are like 20 bucks at Walmart. They're selling for, I will say, it's selling for $100. Um, do you have the discipline not to drive over to Walmart to see if you have Jaws Furby in stock? Yes. It's worth you're, be you're better than me because if my local place, if there's something like that and I knew they were, you know, out there in, in the wild, um, I'd be willing, you know, just while, I, I mean, I guess it's different for me, right? Cause I'm out thrifting. I'm by these stores. Um, but still, I mean, you could walk well, in. You have the, I have a huge task of eBay stuff to do. Right. And now I'm trying to get the, into the huge task of merchant fulfilled. You, you have the option to do that. Cause you're just trying to, you don't have the time sync so that I do. So I get why you do it. I absolutely do. Um, yeah, I, I 100% would go look to see if they had it. I would not chase it to every single Walmart, you know, within two hours. I, I don't think that's smart, but my local one, I, and I don't, I'll even say, you know, I don't, I don't shop at Walmart for anything. At least the one around me is real bad. So it wouldn't be like I'm going shopping there and I'm going to check. I would just go out of my way one day and just pop in there for two minutes, run to the Furby aisle, see if they had it. And that would be the end of it. Um, but yeah, it's like one of those things, right? You, you got to stay focused on what you're focused on. And, uh, and I think it's, I think it's exciting for media sellers every once in a while when something like this comes along, because, you know, media isn't the shiniest or funnest business model to have. So you're like, Ooh, maybe I can go get this. I mean, I, I come across like combo units, guitar hero, guitars, and, Things I know to have value all the time, and I just walk on by because that's not my business. Um, but I do know there's money there, and I'm leaving money there. I, I fully understand what I'm doing, and I hope reseller that deals in that stuff comes along because that's a good deal, right? But if I were to do that, I would have to worry about different kinds of boxes, different kinds of shipping, uh, distracting me from what I've niched down to because now part of my brain's focusing on looking at everything to see where I can get a dollar. And I'm not saying it's like every seller mentality because that's a whole different kind of mentality. I just know it to be a distraction, but I also know there is money there. Absolutely, 100%. Um, I think another thing with quarter four bolo chasing that uh, it's kind of not the same that it used to be because now there's so many paid uh, like leads groups, right? Where you can pay and be on a leads list. And a lot of the groups are, you know, turning the same information. So what happens is, you know, when they, when they, when, you know, when their bots found this item, you know, this, you know, hundred percent ROI item and you seen that and you run out to get it by the time, you know, you get it, there's probably a thousand other people that have already went out and got it and listed it as well. So the, uh, the price is what happens on these popular things is the prices tank. Right. And that's like the big complaint of Amazon is just the price is just completely tank on things. Um, I've actually had more luck selling bolo items on eBay. The ones I've I've ran into, um, a lot of the stuff on Amazon's gated. I'm not ungated in a lot of things. I am ungated in a lot for how long I've had the account. But uh, eBay, I don't know. It seems like the prices seem to, at least for like these hot items, the prices seem to kind of hold steady, and uh, you kind of can have the benefit of doing your listing correctly with pictures and everything. 
versus, you know, where Amazon's just a price race. So I feel like eBay is almost a better route if you're chasing, you know, like trying to get the most money out of some of these, you know, quarter four hot toy items or whatever it may be that's going to, you know, pop up here in the next month. Well, here's the reason for why that is, because everybody knows they go to Amazon, they're paying full retail, right? They go to eBay, they think they're getting a deal. They don't even bother to check Amazon. They're just going straight to eBay because they know things to be cheaper on eBay. So, yeah, the same item you could theoretically get cheaper on Amazon, but you're selling it for higher on eBay just because of, I'm not going to call it laziness. I'm just going to call it false expectations by the consumer. So have you ever had a situation where you bought something that, well, you were in line in the store, you took pictures of an item and it sold before you got out to the car? Well, I've never done that, to be fair, but I have talked to several people that do do that. They, they, they're Ben's shoppers. They use the floor as their background. They take photos. Um, they actually have shipping supplies in their car. So if they sell something, they're on the way to the post office, packing in the car or in the parking lot and shipping it right then and there. Then they go home and store or, or uh, yeah, they store because they've already listed, right? They're just doing the put away. Those guys, they, those guys got some hustle, man. They got some dedication. I, I would not be able to live a life like that. It's just too much crap in too many different places. It would I mean, unless I had like a, a bread truck or something where, you know, all my stuff is like my tools are here. This is there, everything's organized. I would not be. I can't even imagine the back of my Hyundai Sonata shipping supplies. And oh, my God. It's like one of those Blues Brothers trunks, right? If you've seen Blues Brothers 2000, you got the kid in the back, but he's got a full bedroom suite, suite in there. Yep. Same thing, just with the shipping station. But I've actually heard there that they, they've listed it. They're in the line to check out. They haven't bought it yet, but they've already sold it on eBay. That's how crazy that game can be. I've done that with uh, testing kits, um, health testing kits from uh, CVS. And I would literally go in, grab every single one. Um, I was paying around like, I think right around three fifty to seven dollars for them. And they were selling for like consistently fifty five, sixty five dollars on eBay. And um, I would go in, grab every one, uh, use the same photo I had. It was just a picture of the, the the kit on the CVS carpet. And I would list them and they would sell before I even got to the car, before I even checked out. So I've been there, but I mean. It, it's it's like a rush right and that time i did go around to other cvs's because there's basically a cvs you know within every corner right yeah so i wasn't doing any crazy traveling you know you hear stories of people you know driving different states and you know going after these items so mine wasn't as crazy but i've i've lived that thrill the adrenaline rush of you know just selling stuff before you even buy it so uh um, here's a game i used to play I used to watch a lot of movies and I'd buy the expensive ones like Criterion or Mill Creek or Arrow because I like all the special features. I do watch that in the commentaries. But here's a game I used to play and how I pretty much got free movies is I'd watch them. I then list them for about 25 bucks on eBay more than I bought them for brand new. But I, I opened it. Right. The shrink's gone. But because of the eBay fees, it worked out where I got exactly my money back and then I do it again and I still get to watch my movies and maintain my nerdy hobby of watching the cool commentaries and all the other special features. You can do that too. Um, it doesn't even really apply to reselling. That's just supporting your movie habit, right? Without spending a thousand dollars a month on fancy movies because you're just spending money, getting your money back. And it's that same initial 50 bucks. That's all you're doing. So on the topic of like quarter four, right, you're going to, your sales are going to uptick. So that means whenever you have more sales, you're going to have more headaches whether it's Amazon or eBay, if you sell more, you're going to get more returns. You're going to get more of this, more of that. So there's a lot of, you know, 
yeah, sure, the sales are great, but just be prepared for an uptick in the things that are not so great when it comes to reselling business, especially with Amazon. The return policy is just stupid. <laughs> it's absurd. The fact you could buy something in October and return it, you know, at the middle of January is just, it's crazy to me. I don't see how anybody selling seasonal items can even survive, but to each their own. You know about their, the Audible thing you could do with Audible? Oh, it's yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. You, if you're not familiar with Audible, you, you buy a token, you use these tokens to buy a movie for your library. But no questions asked by Amazon. You don't like it, you can get your token back by just saying, I don't like it. And you can get free Audible books because they don't care. And they're well aware of it, but because Amazon prides themselves on no questions asked, customer. You're a customer. We'll do what you want. It's, and you can so take advantage of that system. And people do. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, it used to. I remember when I first started selling books, and there was a lot of talk of people that would basically rent your books, right? You know, they get your book, read it within the 30 days, and return it. I'm sure there's a lot of people that still do that. Yeah. Um, it's just part of the business. Thankfully for, you know, us used media sellers, it's not a big deal, but that's where you can get yourself into trouble. If you're chasing some of these new bolo items and, you know, and you're expecting the cash flow to be there, right? So, you know, you can just do the basic math here. If you're spending 30 bucks, you're going to make 10. You're looking at, you know, 33% ROI, which is, you know, that's good for retail arbitrage. You know, it's kind of falls in line. But if you get a return and that item's not new anymore, you can't return it to Target. You're stuck with it. Right there, it eats up, you know, two or three more sales of that same exact item. So I want people to be in the mindset of thinking it all the way through, right? Just because you see that ROI number is X amount of dollars. Um, you got to factor in these returns because they're going to happen, especially on Amazon. Um, eBay, eBay, I don't see nowhere near as many returns. Um, and I'll speak on that in a moment, but go ahead. I mean, they do. I'm sure they do happen on eBay. It's just, it's a different platform, a different customer. It's a different mindset uh, versus the two platforms. And like when I was selling those test kits, I didn't get a single return. And I've, I probably sold 60 of them. I think I wound up making a few thousand dollars off it. Um, and it was crazy, but I didn't get any single return. I had one where they gave me the wrong address. They ordered like 12 of them. And uh, they were even like, hey, I'll pay for the shipping back. And uh, I'll take care of it all. And and then they wound up, it got back to me. I sent it back to them. Everything worked out smoothly in the end. If that would have been Amazon. It would have been a completely different story. That option would have never even have been there. So. so here's the deal on returns with eBay. If you're doing it right, it, you'll, you'll have a 30-day return policy. If you're not doing that, you should. Because that's the only way you're going to get top-rated status or top-rated plus status. I, myself, offer 60 you know, all of my returns have only been for three items, three three different reasons. One, it didn't arrive. The post office lost it. The post office damaged it. Or the customer had an issue. They did not feel the item was in the condition I stated. But normally what happens in any three of these scenarios, that customer will message me first before filing a claim. Because I send them a message, so there's some kind of correspondence between us already when I do my shipping. And they're like, yo, there's a problem. How can we work this out? And I, I, I've offered they can keep the item and I can give them a refund. But usually what happens is they just want part of the money back. Or they say, hey, can you cut me a deal on my next order? So I, I, I'm turning a potential bad thing into a positive thing. I had a guy the other day. It's a $60 return because my condition notes were fine. But 
he was a very particular collector of the things he was buying, and he wanted his things in pristine. These were in the acceptable kind of category. And I explained this to him, and he said, okay, I just want 10 bucks back, not the whole 60, and we'll call it a day. So I gave him his 10 back. I technically sold it for 50 at that point. Each one, I the whole cost of goods was $2.50. Did not affect me just because of that customer service interaction. But I can tell you for a fact, after a week after they get it, I've had never had a return request on eBay. It's that first week after they get it. Because that package may sit on their countertop before they get a chance to open it, right? We all do this. But once they open it and they look at it, they either like it or they don't. If they don't, they usually send me a message or they process the return. On Amazon, it's a whole different thing. There, there, there's none of that interaction. I think, like, when I look at chasing bolos, uh, to round out here, this the bolo topic of quarter four, I think it's worth the look if it's your local big box store going, if especially if you're already shopping there or you're going for something else, it's worth taking the look to see if that item's there because the ROI on some of these is crazy, um, especially if you catch, you know, the hottest item. You know, if you can even get one of those and pump an extra 80 bucks into your business while you're already there shopping or anything, I think that's that's worth a look in in my eyes. But going further than that, um, you know, maybe if you're feeling lucky, if you're one of these lucky people like Deb's super lucky um, when it comes to luck, my luck sucks. I rarely win at the casino uh, Powerball. I get one number. You know, that's like the most I've ever gotten in my life. So I, I don't push my luck. So, I mean. Sure, if you if you come across maybe a bunch of one store, maybe maybe the next store will have them because nobody else is out there looking for them. But getting caught up in chasing these leads and these bolo lists, I honestly feel like it takes away from your business focus, um, and you're going to wind up losing money by chasing you know crazy crazy things all around all around the, the country. I have, I got a curious question for you. If you if you scaled up, like you had another piece of your business that ate up more time. Would you bother with those bolo chases at that point? If I was still going out to get inventory, I would pop in a store here or there. Um, you still you still do it. It'd just be less of it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's one of those things, right? When you start seeing results and what you're focused on, everything else kind of just fades yeah, away, it right? Is, that fade fuzzy thing is like, yeah, that's over there, but there's a lot more of what I do. Yep. Exactly. The, the shiny thing doesn't ap appeal as much as when you're getting results and what you're focused on. So it's one of those things, right? If you're, if you're, I guarantee you, right? If you're crushing it right now and you know, the, the Walmart 30 minutes away might or might not have this item, you're not going to be so much worried about it as the person who's not seeing the results currently. And they're like, Whoa, maybe they have this and I can make an extra thousand dollars because that's what you're going to see, right? You're not going to see the TikTok or the post of somebody finding one of the Jaws Furbies, they're finding 30 of them in one store and they're basically retired now off, you know, Jaws Furbies. Um, but that's not the reality of it. So I can see it's if maybe you're struggling right now or you're looking for a little bit more cash flow, these these things are more enticing. But if you're seeing results, I guarantee you're on the side of, you know what, it really doesn't matter to me, you know, if whether or not they have them. I'm not worried about that. See, I redeploy my efforts in thinking about what else can I tack on to my current business. And I'll, I'll give a freebie here because I'm not going to do it, I decided. But here's some free money for you people out there. You can do it if you'd like. Oh, pick I, me, pick me. Here you go, Mike. You can have this one. Um, I thought about selling dust jackets because I've seen people do this, just the dust jacket only, right? Um, 
And I noticed that people will pay the same price for the dust jacket plus versus they can get the whole damn book plus the dust jacket for the same price. And I thought, well, I get a lot of junk, but I, if I just sold the dust jacket and then I sold the book separately, it's like selling it twice. Right. Um, and the storage, the dust jackets, it's just paper, right? The storage wouldn't be that bad. Um, so I, that's where I put my efforts in, instead of my bolo hunting like you do. I, I think about what else can I tack on to the business? How can I add another sales channel with stuff I'm already going out to do or I have already? Dust jackets is a prime example. Um, the other thing I think about is maybe okay, maybe instead of lots, I maybe make like, I think what you came across recently or a few months back, there's like those safe things that are inside books. I can get into that because I already have the books, right? So those are the kind of things I think about how I can improve my business. Is there more money to be had with what I already have that's junk kind of thing? And I noodle on this stuff all the time. Um, I could go out and do the bubble thing. Absolutely, I could. Um, but it's a choice I'm making. And I don't think one's more right over the other i really don't i'm gonna find a walmart walmart bolo this year and we're both gonna go to our local walmarts and try to find it is it a book no it's gonna be it's, it's probably gonna be something stupid some kind of toy or you know some kind of You're gonna maybe buy an xbox it's some kind of crazy thing like that and uh just for just for scientific reasons we're, we're both gonna go and uh, see stand we, in line why would you do that yeah i don't care you're gonna go and you're gonna see and if they got them, you're buying them all. We're going to be rich. Oh, man. All right. So getting out of the bolo thing, uh, we'll just kind of shift to like what you should expect to see sales wise. Um, media, you'll, you'll see a little bit of an uptick with media. But other categories are really the strong categories for quarter four, right? Media, our cat, we, we see an influx around textbook season, which comes a few times a year. So quarter four, I mean, don't be if you're selling media. Don't expect to see, you know, these crazy numbers because you're selling media. It's it's consistent, right? That's kind of another reason why I love selling media. Once you once you get your inventory levels, it's consistent across the board. You're not fluctuating up and down and it almost makes your business more predictable, right? Versus somebody that's selling these categories or seasonal items every year is a different thing, how many you can get. So your business, you know, your income and everything's a little bit harder to predict. But um, with media sellers, if you're out there listening, it's it's going to you'll see a little bit of a bump. Don't expect anything too crazy. You will see if you have non-media items listed, they're probably going to sell a uh, quarter four, no matter what it is, most likely, as long as you're priced correctly. Um, but yeah, so so the, the media sellers don't get too excited on quarter four. It's not a huge thing for us. Wait till January when the new semester starts. Uh, and you and you get your influx of book orders from kids going starting their second, you know, their winter winter semesters and everything like that. Um, but that's kind of like the the overall view in my eyes of sales in quarter four. It's probably the same for you, right? You're, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it is. And and what I've noticed between the two platforms, eBay and Amazon, Amazon's like you said, a lot steady. I mean, as the inventory trickles down, the what you're getting trickles goes down as well. But even then that stays steady until you sell more and it's it's steady ebay it's a lot more spiky it'll, it'll be great sales bad sale day great sale but it all evens out so it is kind of stable in that regard if you're measuring month to month versus like week to week or day to day but if you examine the month as a whole 
it's about the same as he did last month, maybe a little more, because that's the whole idea with eBay. The more you list, the more you sell. Eventually, you're selling the amount of what you list. So if you're listing 10, you'll sell 10 every day after some amount of time. But uh, I like the stability with Amazon, to be honest with you. Uh, it's just a lot more predictable. I send the box in. I'm going to – I know what I'm probably going to make. I'm going to sell – well, what, what, what do you think the sell-through rate on average is? I mean – if everything was equal, I think it's about 80% of what we send in sales. Basically. Yeah. So you're just going to wind up with 20% after, you know, nine to 12 months. It just right. doesn't sell. I mean, that's just, that's just the nature of the business with, with media. Um, yeah. On eBay, it's, for me, I, I think it's about 25% of what I sell um, a month, basically. And those are from various months, like stuff back in January to stuff I've listed here in November. But it's about 25% of my inventory actually turns over. Like, it all turns over. It's just a matter of when on eBay. Yeah, and uh, I think now's a good time if anybody's sitting out there on some slower-moving items. Um, now's the time to get it up. If you have a pile of stuff where, you know, there's no sold comps or one or two sold comps, put it out there for quarter four. See if you can make the sale because if you don't sell it, quarter four on amazon or ebay it's probably never going to sell honestly that's kind of like my take on it like if you have something listed on amazon and you're repricing and it doesn't sell within you know the nine to twelve months it's probably never going to sell anywhere except ebay except ebay it'll just sit there for three thousand days but you'll sell it on three thousand in one day it's a thing imagine Imagine if I guess it wouldn't work because they they couldn't charge you for it. I want to know what this is. What is it? If, if there was like uh basically a fee to have like your items listed over X amount of days on eBay, like what if they decided they only wanted faster moving stuff on their platform? So if your your item was listed over a year, then they start charging you like a quarter a month or something to keep it. They already listed. do that, man. With the subscriptions, that's how they get away with it. Because people don't want to pay those listing fees. They they say, hey, get our fancy subscription. And you'll get a coupon to buy more stuff at eBay. eBay is very smart about that. And it's not it's not in your face recognizable. But they're clearing money from every eBay seller. They're getting, I think my store subs like 50-something dollars a month. They're getting 50 a month out of me every month just for me selling on their platform. And then when I sell an item, right? I got all those fees on top of that. So eBay's got a great thing going. They're collecting money no matter what. Quarter four customer service. Um, Amazon doesn't exist. If you get those stupid questions from customers, there's a little button that says no response needed. Guess what? Guess what I've hit every single time I've gotten one of those. No response needed. I am not wasting my time. Uh, it's that's the reason anybody sells on Amazon versus eBay. Right? As one of the big appeals is you don't have to deal with the customers. Um, I highly recommend always hitting that no response needed. Um, even if you answer them, it's just it's a waste of time. Now eBay is usually a different story. That usually you get a message. It's for a reason. Every once in a while, sure you'll get a stupid message. Um, Hey, you know, what's how many pages are in this book or something like that, right? Um, things that really aren't that important. Just personal preference if you want to answer it or not. I usually always do because it only takes a second to do. But um, it can be some of them can get, you know, crazy when they ask certain things about, you know, somebody asked me to look through a whole Bible to see if like how many pages were highlighted. And I said, I'm not looking through this, you know, 700 page large print study Bible 
to count how many pages are highlighted for you. I'm selling it for $30. It is not worth my time. Well, I'm not going to debate the fact that there is a lot of, I got to do this customer service. I had to measure a book the other day. Why does he care? Does he have certain dimensions on his shelves? He needs to know how big it is. Sure. But I always speak on the positive side. And this is the customer service that makes me so happy. I got a letter back from a guy about a month after he ordered it. He sent me a message and he thanked me for the book because he was recovering for cancer. Um, and it really helped him through that process. That made me feel good that I could supply him during his recovery. Um, and I've gotten similar things like that of the book affected somebody in some way. And that makes me feel good as a bookseller. Yeah, there, there's the bad side like you're talking about. I, oh, I got to measure a book or, oh, I got to look up this thing on this page. There's also a positive side, and it's very uplifting in that regard because we can get into the grind and blah, blah, blah. And then we get something like that, like, my days have gotten a lot better. I did something good in the world today. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Reseller's Mindset Podcast. Today's full episode and all previous episodes are available to all YouTube members along with the weekly Zoom call and private Discord. Head on over to youtube.com backslash the used book guy and consider joining for as little as $2.99 a month.